0: Welcome to the Wise Birth Radio. We are women, students, and mamas exploring healthy pregnancies, empowered birth, nurtured postpartum, and natural parenting from a holistic, intuitive, and grounded experience. We share knowledge through interviews, stories, and musings. We hope to inspire you to take charge of your childbearing journey for yourself and your family. This show is intended to spark your own curiosity and encourage you to listen to your body, your baby, and your intuition. I'm Mabel, and I'm Sarah, and we are your hosts on Wise Birth Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Wise Birth Radio. I realize that it's probably, in all likelihood, not morning when you're listening to this, but I just feel like good morning is my favorite greeting. It's the most cheerful. I don't know, saying good afternoon is kind of like, eh, good afternoon, but good morning is like, wow, good morning. So, good morning to all you lovely people. Uh, it's just me today, Mabel, doing a solo cast, as they call them. And in coming up on Olin's first birthday, I wanted to just talk a little bit about a word that came up a lot, a sort of a theme in his pregnancy and birth, and then when I was reflecting and digesting on the birth experience later. Um, and that is autonomy. And so what exactly does that mean? Oh, yeah, Olin's here with us today, too, so he might have some things to say about the subject. So a quick Google search of the definition of the word autonomy comes up with the condition or quality of being autonomous. Wow, that's helpful. Self-government, or the right of self-government, self-determination, self-directing freedom, and especially moral independence, or the quality or state of being self-governing. So I think what it comes back to is just that whatever decisions are being made can come from your own self, you know, like, as I said, self-directed, not looking to anyone else to make decisions for you. But as I think I'll talk about a little bit, that doesn't mean not asking for anybody's help or not listening to anybody else. So let's talk a little bit about where the word autonomy is used in the birth world currently because i think i just want to make it clear that probably i'm not talking about that with regards to my story so you have people talking about autonomous birth what does that mean i'm fairly certain that they mean the same thing as free birth but perhaps they don't want i don't know exactly why people say autonomous birth But that definition is fairly fluid of an autonomous birth or free birth. I think most people would agree that it means birth without a birth professional there. But it gets pretty hazy because there are people that are teaching or like training people to attend free births, you know? Like to be birth keepers who go to free births so that that case, you know, what does a free birth mean? Who knows? Um, the other way I've heard autonomous used is autonomous midwife, which, as far as I know, means a midwife who is not licensed or accredited or uh, needs to report to any sort of governing body. So people might also say traditional midwife, non-licensed midwife, unlicensed midwife, rather, sorry. There was an unlicensed birth worker, midwife, who was arrested for attending births and had a bad outcome. outcome. Um, and she recently, well, sorry, not her, someone else in the trial classified her as a self-identified midwife, I believe. Which I think that's a pretty cool term. I mean, I know that they probably didn't mean it in a positive light, but I think it's a neat way to identify. Like, I myself, I've decided that I'm a midwife. Based on my experience and my learning and the fact that I feel like I'm ready for it. Not because anyone else has decided that I can or I've met certain hour requirements or gone to the right kind of school. Whatever, this is all sort of a digression. So, back to, I guess, what does autonomy mean to me? Because... I suppose much of the definition, much as the definition of the word, it's pretty, you know, the definition can be used for, by different people for different things. It's able to be self-directed, if that makes any sense. So the direction I'm going to go with this is that I was thinking after my birth about the way things went down. And I just had this feeling of... I didn't completely own what I needed to in order for the experience to be what I wanted it to be. And I was thinking back to when I was younger, high school, just out of high school. I had this mindset perhaps around sex where if I felt pretty neutral around it, didn't want it, didn't want it, either way, didn't matter to me, but somebody else was into it, then, you know, Why not? Because they wanted to, and I didn't care. And at the time, that made total sense to me. And as I was coming out of that patterning, I was like, well, that was really messed up and pretty damaging for me. And, you know, it's the thing people say about, like, if it isn't a full body yes, then it's a no. And so in those times for me, it was definitely not a yes, but in the attempt to please someone else, I said, oh, whatever, I don't care. It doesn't affect me. But it definitely did affect me. And I think that healing that pattern, that um, mental process, that belief system, I guess you could say, has been, as I suppose most healing journeys are, sort of a spiral journey where it's not like, oh, I've healed it, I'm done, wash my hands of that, I'm all good. But you, you know, you meet that pattern head on and you work through it and then Somewhere down the line, it comes up again in a different form and you have to work through it again. And that's just the way it is with these kinds of things. And so I think that was a pattern that came up, especially in the birth, but also a little bit in prenatal care. Like I was pretty, I had a feeling, and I probably didn't express it verbally to my midwife as well as I should have, that I was not interested in blood pressure Or listening to the baby with a Doppler in labor unless something really felt off or one of us had an intuition or some reason, like specific reason why to do that. Um, And I thought that I'd communicated it and I thought that in prenatals I had been pretty good at telling the midwife what I wanted, what I needed and asserting my boundaries in that way. And looking back on it, I think I was definitely still in some ways trying to maintain that that persona of being like a a good girl, a good patient. And yes, in some ways, advocating for some things, but then also saying, oh, if you really want to, I guess that's fine. And again, in the end, it wasn't really fine. I mean, you know, in the bigger picture of things, it was fine. But just like for what the potential... Hmm. the power that I know birth has the potential to feel and to create in someone, I think wasn't there because in this way I was giving it away. Similar to old patterns that I've had. And so in labor, I remember one of the first things that happened when the midwife got there was she checked my blood pressure and I'm sure she asked, and I'm sure I said yes. I don't really remember it. But thinking back on it now, like, I was in no state to say no, if that makes sense. I think saying no is a really hard thing to do, especially if you haven't had a lot of practice in it. And so when you're way out in labor land, like, on a totally different planet, it's, and it's not something that you've practiced, and that feels really easy to you, or at least, like, a really strong strength uh, yeah, I guess a strength of yours then it's so much easier just to say yes. Be like, I don't really care. I know that my blood pressure is fine and whatever you discover is not gonna impact my labor because it's not, I just knew. But if it makes you happy to take my blood pressure and then you feel less stressed about it, whatever, do it. And so I, I can see now, and I'm sure it's clear to you all that this is very, very similar to the pattern that I was talking earlier around sex. Pretty much the exact same thing, just in a different context. But again, while I was deep in labor land, there was no way that I would recognize that for sure. And I don't think that I had practiced really knowing what I wanted and, well, that's not quite true. Let's see what I mean by this. I don't think that I had practiced feeling into what I wanted and saying no to what I didn't want strong enough for that to be able to sort of be a skill that was online during labor, if that makes sense. And maybe I could have or should have talked to my partner in advance. And I think, you know, if I had been aware that this pattern would come up then, if I'd been maybe thinking about it a little more, I could have talked to him in advance and been like, hey, listen, I might not be able to say no, but I don't really want these things in labor. So, even if I say like, yeah, fine, I guess, whatever, It could be your place to say, hey, but do you really want that? Because that would be a much easier thing to say no to. Someone you love and trust and feel really safe with. Just double checking like, hey, are you sure you're not just saying yes because someone else wants it? Or is this something that you really want? So, autonomy. I think that by not really firmly, I mean, by not being in my no when it was called for, I wasn't able to truly feel in my, yes, if that makes sense, truly feel in my own self-directed autonomy and, and breathing space. And again, it's not like this whole horrible drama and it affected everything and it was just the worst thing ever. It was very, very subtle. And in a lot of ways, in most ways, I still feel like I had a really beautiful birth. But there's just these really subtle medicines in it that I'm grateful to be uh, not processing what's the word I'm looking for? Integrating. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that this will be the last time I deal with this or I confront a situation like this because these things come around until we've really fully resolved them. But I do feel like Being able to see pretty quickly how this pattern impacted my experience was a really big learning lesson. So I think I'll go back a little bit to prenatals. I was working with a pretty, I don't know, standard midwife is not the way that I want to classify her, but, you know, a pretty, ah, what's the word? I guess, sort of by the book as preference, but you know, willing to make exceptions for women's personal preferences. Home birth midwife, um, who was licensed, is licensed in the state of New York. And I declined pretty much all prenatal tests. <laughs> I think I did a pee stick once, uh, maybe blood pressure once, I think I got weighed once, Um, but we regularly measured my belly and listened to the baby with a fetoscope. And those felt less like tests to me and more like moments of connection, but I suppose as I might get into, that did actually impact my pregnancy. But let's start from the beginning. So, I felt pretty comfortable declining things. And the midwife would not really challenge me necessarily, but just ask and sort of poke and like make sure, like, why are you declining this? Do you know the reasons? Can we just talk about it? Which I appreciated on one hand for the learning aspect of it, for myself as a future midwife to be able to really articulate, like, here's why this test is taken, and here's why I'm choosing not to do it. But on the other hand, as just a pregnant woman, I often felt like I didn't want to have to justify or explain my choices, like I don't want to do this and that's all there is, so that's the way it's gonna be. But again, I wasn't quite comfortable enough with my no to say that, so I would go through it and explain it. What else do I want to say about this? And she was mostly cool with me not doing any prenatal testing. There was a couple times where I think once I said yes to blood pressure and she was like, okay, great, throwing your midwife some crumbs. And I was like, that was, hmm, that made me feel a little weird. But I understood that the way we were working together was not her preference. And she was able to clearly articulate, which I really appreciated her own boundaries around that and say like, these are tests that I really prefer that people do, like a It was a 20-week ultrasound. She was like, I really, really prefer if people do this, I feel most comfortable with that. And if you don't want to, that's okay. I just want you to understand what my preferences are. And so I feel like in those ways, she was really able to stand in, in her boundaries, with her boundaries, whatever, however you want to say it. And I, yeah, again, I just really appreciated that. And I think that midwives as a whole I mean women as a whole but in particular to midwives need to really look internally and decide like what am I comfortable with and if something's happening that I'm not comfortable with am I able to remove myself from the situation like it's not that a midwife should take on every client because it might not work out there might be Making decisions that don't feel comfortable for that midwife. And I think that's totally fine for, as I've heard, I think Margot at Indie Birth say, to risk for midwives to risk themselves out. Instead of saying, like, oh, you know, you have this complication, you have this test result which risks you out of home birth care, to say, you know what, I don't feel comfortable with this anymore. So I'm risking myself out of this situation. Not in a harsh way, not like abandoning women, but. Just saying, you know what, I don't feel comfortable with this situation anymore. I'm really glad that you're making the decisions that feel best for you. But... And I'm making the decisions that are best for me. And so the best decision for me is not to continue to work with you. So anyways, another tangent. Back to my experience of prenatal care. So I'm sure I've talked about this. Well, I'm not sure, but I think I've talked about this on other episodes. But at one point, we were talking about how I imagine the birth to look like, how I imagine my support from this midwife to look like. Um, and she said that she would like to be close when the baby was crowning and coming out to just be able to monitor the situation. And she specifically said, I think, um, to be able to do something if there's a cord around the baby's neck. You know to unwrap it or just monitor the situation really closely and in that appointment when she said that i immediately felt this like full body no like no way first of all i know that nuchal cords are not dangerous the majority of the time i think it's one in three births happen with a nuchal cord which is a quarter on the neck and it is very rarely dangerous if you think about it first of all babies aren't breathing yet so if you imagine, as an adult, a cord around your neck, that's horrifying and you're gonna die because it will strangle you. You won't be able to breathe. But for a baby who's not breathing, it's very different. And there's actually a theory that it's a protective mechanism. Because if you have a really long cord and it's just, like, floating out around there, around the baby, or, like, wrapped around the shoulder or something, that could much easily, easier get pinched between, like, a bony shoulder and a bony pelvis. And that would stop the blood flow but as opposed to if it's wrapped around the neck it's sort of safe and protected there, you know? So I thought that was an interesting theory. Maybe we'll do a whole episode on nuchal cords because I feel pretty passionate about people knowing this especially because there are so many stories of people who are like Oh my god, my baby had the cord around its neck and it almost died thank the lord I was in the hospital and the baby was saved which, you know, it could be true I'm not going to say that all of those stories... It's not true, but I think in the majority of cases, babies can be born with a cord around the neck, and they are fine, and it's their physiological design. Anyways, wow, today is a super tangent day. So, the midwife said she wanted to be close and to check for a nuchal cord, and I said something like probably, hmm, okay, while inside feeling this deep, deep no. Um, And I went home and talked about it and thought about it for the next week, and I feel like I was just trying to hmm, I guess just like trying to really vocalize my no with everybody that I was talking about, talking to at the time talked to Sarah about it, my partner about it and why I wasn't interested in it and I think I was just practicing so the next time we went to the midwife I was like okay so you said this thing last time and I am not interested in that, I don't want you to be that close to me when the baby's coming out and I think I even said I would like for you to be on, like, the other side of the room. Or maybe even out of the room. Which, you know, maybe at that point I should have thought, hmm, if I want a midwife who's not going to be in the room, do I really want this woman to be at my birth? But I didn't think about that. And the midwife received it really well. She said, okay, I understand. That's, again, not my preference. And I'm open to it. So that was a really powerful experience for me. Empowering you to say, I suppose. Of being able to really strongly feel a know in my body and be able to communicate that and have that well received. I think that was a really great practice experience for me. Um I think another time when I got to well I didn't get to, I chose to experience this autonomy, but for more of like a mental decision level and less of a body knowing if that makes any sense was When towards the end of my pregnancy, my belly was measuring pretty small. Like I think three centimeters maybe behind the weeks. And it hadn't grown for a week or so. I'm not really remembering the details. Um, But again, I'm pretty sure we talk about this on the episode about Olin's birth. The first one, part one. Um, And so the midwife is not strongly suggesting anything in terms of you know, further tests or things to do, um, and left it mostly in my court, which I really appreciated. And in this case, I didn't have any strong feelings. Well, no, I take that back. I had a very strong feeling that the baby was fine, and this was all sort of nonsense. But I think that was sort of clouded over by my brain and my, you know, the statistics that were in my head. And the statistics, I'm sure, that were in the midwife's head. Um, And I think she suggested that I could get an ultrasound just to see if I had really low fluid or if the baby was really small or something funny was happening. And again, I had this very quiet voice, but very persistent, being like, everything is fine. Like, you don't need to do anything. Your belly is just small. My mom had a really small belly when she was pregnant with myself and my sibling, and I just, I wasn't worried about it, but my brain was not fully on board with the fact that I wasn't worried, if that makes sense. So in this case, I chose to make the decision not to do an ultrasound, not to do anything further, because I had sort of rationalized my way there. You know, I went through all the possibilities, like, okay, let's say there is really low fluid, what would happen then? Let's say the baby is pretty small, what would happen then? And just based on the statistics of things and what people would suggest if we found out certain things from an ultrasound, I decided mentally that I wasn't going to do anything, which was confirming to the body feeling of everything is fine and you don't need to do anything. But in this case, I feel like For some reason, that wasn't quite enough for me to go on, and I needed to confirm it for my brain. But either way, I think that was, again, a great experience in autonomy, in really checking in and saying, okay, what does my body say needs to be done in this experience, and what does my brain, what do the facts as I see them tell me that I need to do in this experience, and then to go ahead with that. So, now we're up to the labor, birth. I talked to my partner about this. Well, not so much anymore, but for a while. I talked to him a lot about it because something just felt out of place. And I couldn't figure out if it was because I had not fully expressed my desires for the midwives present at this birth and my boundaries. And if I had not made them really clear or if she had, in the end, not really listened. And I think at this point it's probably a mixture of both. Not that she was actively, like, defying what I said, but, you know, she's used to working. Midwives are used to working in a certain way and to supporting people in a certain way. And that's the way they do things. And I'm sure it would be hard to to step out of that and do things all of a sudden differently. So I do feel like in my birth experience, I didn't fully, I was gonna say inhabit, but I don't know if that's quite the word. But I guess it could be, like I didn't fully inhabit in my body this feeling of autonomy, of this is my birth and yeah, that's it. This is my birth. And as a result, I sort of came out of it feeling a little confused, a little disoriented and a little, not frustrated, maybe disappointed? Yeah, I think disappointed would be a way to describe it. Oh, Yankees. You. Hi. You gotta be quiet. Can you be quiet? <laughs> Sorry. He'll probably keep making noises. At least they're cute noises and not screaming noises. So, I came out of this birth experience with sort of a feeling of disappointment because I didn't fully inhabit my autonomy. And I think most of that was not being able to inhabit my no. I love the phrase sacred no because so often we think of no as like you know, 3-year-olds when they're angry about something and they're just yelling no at everything or politicians who are like, "Well, you wanted so no, I'm not going to do it because you're of the other party or" You know, it's a very different no than feeling deep in your body the way you want things and just quietly and calmly asserting boundaries for yourself and saying, "No, I'm not I'm not interested in that. That's not going to happen for me." So, it's taken me this whole year pretty much to not get over it, but to like really integrate the way things happened and to feel grateful for this experience as a lesson of what I want and what I don't want, both in birth, in the future, and in my life in general. And to, yeah, it's been a shift from feeling disappointed and at times angry with the midwife or angry with myself or frustrated with my partner for not saying anything, to just coming to this place of gratitude for the way things worked out and for the lessons of it. and i think this birth experience was really catapulted me into motherhood i mean of course it did it was my first birth it was when i became a mother but this experience of stepping out of my autonomy giving up my autonomy whatever however you want to phrase it it hey has really inspired me to work on feeling more autonomous as a mother, in all the ways that looked. So I have an example that I had been going to the pediatrician with Olin for you know, the things that you're supposed to do, get him weighed and measured and looked at for no apparent reason, because you know he's perfectly fine on the schedule that they suggest. And I was doing that because I have friends who have had CPS visits and whatnot and other parent friends that I have who just suggest that, you know, it's not that big of a deal. If you just take him to the pediatrician, you could avoid a situation if anything were to happen, which, you know, I'm not knocking that. If that's what you feel comfortable with, great, you should do that. But I realized, I think as I took him to a six-month appointment, we got there and the woman said that his insurance had been cancelled because we hadn't submitted his social security number to the insurance company. And the insurance company didn't tell me that. I just found out when I got to the pediatrician. So she was like, oh, you could just pay out of pocket for this visit. And that's just like, I was just like, hold up. So right now... I'm being asked to pay money for a visit that I didn't want to do because I didn't give the information of a system I didn't want to sign up for to another system that I don't really believe in. This all seems very funny. What am I doing? And it was that moment that was like, why am I, why am I doing this? Like I'm doing this. For myself, at least, it was coming from a place of fear. You know, like, oh, what if something happens and they come for us and we don't have these records of having gone to the pediatrician. But that moment, it was, like, really clear. Like, this is not the way I want to operate. This is not the way I want to mother. This is not what I want to demonstrate for my children. I don't want them to feel like they're part of now three systems, insurance, social security, and being a pediatrician out of fear out of fear of what if something happens and we couldn't pay for medical treatment fear of what if something happens and cps is called and we don't have proper you know reports of doctors visits and i think the social security wasn't so much out of fear it was just out of not knowing any other way but in that moment it became really clear like i want to investigate other ways i'm not interested in ...putting my children in the system that I totally don't believe in, and honestly don't know enough about, to feel comfortable with. There goes the car. Because there's so much, I'm sure, to all of these systems of identification and classification of human beings... ...that I don't know about, and I probably, once I do learn about them I'm pretty sure I will say I'm not interested in being involved in this but for now it was I'm again grateful that this experience of not having insurance when I went to the pediatrician brought all these other things into question of like wait why am I part of these systems and am I actually saying yes to them or am I just not saying no because that sounds difficult Um, Another way that this theme of autonomy has come up with parenting is, I guess again, through the medical system Um, and just trying to learn as much as I can how to take care of my family by myself. And I'm not saying again that everyone has to be fully self-sufficient and being autonomous means you can't ask for help or you can't, you know, whatever, do take antibiotics or get surgery or do the recommendation of classic western medicine i don't think that i know that being autonomous means making whatever decision feels in alignment with yourself feels again back to that definition self-directed so if you deep down in yourself are feeling directed to follow the suggestion of your Western medical doctor then that's great that is you standing in your autonomy and if you feel deep down like the best decision for yourself or your family is to ignore whoever's recommendation and go an alternative route then again that's great that's you making decisions from your own authority and I think that people sometimes confuse inner authority or autonomy or sometimes the word sovereignty gets thrown in there with not listening to anyone else you know like if you're autonomous and someone suggests something to you then you can't do it because it was someone else's idea and i know that sounds really silly but i think it really happens that people will just say no to things because it was suggested or recommended by an establishment an institution a group whoever that they don't necessarily feel aligned with does that make sense and thinks it makes sense and I think that a lot of that patterning or those those decisions aren't actually autonomous at all but instead are probably made from a place of fear or even trauma you know of saying like I've been burned by this for example medical system or obstetric system before and because of that I'm not going to do Anything that they say, or I don't feel comfortable talking to any obstetrician, and I th- again, that's that's not self-directed. That's directed by fear or by trauma, and I just think that's a really important thing to take into consideration when you hear people talking about these. I guess think they're sort of buzzwords these days: sovereignty, autonomy, and I mean, I guess. It doesn't really matter when you're talking to other people, but thinking about it in regards to yourself. Like, am I really making this decision because deep down in my being I know that this is what I want? And that this is best for myself and my family? Or am I doing it out of fear? Am I doing it because I'm scared someone's going to judge this decision? Or I'm scared of a certain outcome and I think if I just listen to someone else then everything will probably be fine. And if it's not, then it wasn't my fault. That's something I feel I hear a lot with with obstetrics, women who give birth in hospitals often. They're like, oh, this doctor says that this is the way it goes, and I don't want to personally feel responsible for if anything goes wrong. So if I just listen to everything the doctor says, then it will be fine, and if it isn't, then it wasn't my fault. So again, sort of a tangent to another direction, but all related, and I think my final words for this podcast are just again going to be gratitude for my experience and I feel so clear and joyful about continuing on this path as a mother and just as an individual just continuing to explore how I really listen to to what i know and act on that and how i really listen and act on what what is my know and how do i communicate that respectfully clearly and strongly so i believe that's all i have for you today um happy 2023 happy first birthday to my little guy olin ran gillespie Oh, I'm going to put together some photos and some videos that were taken of his birth into a little, not a slideshow, but I guess a short video. I don't really have the skills to do that right now, but I'm going to figure it out. So you will be able to find that on our website, catskillsbirth.org. I will probably put a link in this episode notes to that. Um, And it's interesting because... Sarah and I teach this workshop on physiological birth and we talk about like what does undisturbed birth look like what does physiological birth look like and we show some videos and I wouldn't as much as my birth was I guess you could say quote unquote natural holistic whatever home birth with a midwife I wouldn't call it undisturbed and some part of me feels almost ashamed to put up this video Like I feel some shame in myself teaching these subjects and not having had the experience myself. Again, because I wasn't able to say no. So in the video, you'll see like a minute or two after he's born, the midwife like puts a blanket over him while I'm holding him and that seems like such a small thing. But even now as I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, I just feels so just, I did not want that. But, I'm going to release this video anyways, partly as an exercise to work through this... I suppose you could say birth shame. Which is so odd, because I feel like by anyone else's account, they would have been like, wow, that was such a beautiful birth. So natural, and perhaps they would say autonomous. But again, it just really gets into the subtleties of it, of what did you f- feel deep down that you needed and wanted and how did things play out so this little man is all done with his walk so I'm going to go inside now uh thank you very much for listening and hope to spots was about to say hope to see you again but I don't see you because I'm recording a podcast so anyways tune in for our next episode bye